Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Oh, Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, posting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign. This is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, thanks to his work with the Eagles, but also an in-demand session and touring musician from the 70s all the way through, from the 60s all the way through to the present day, and a solo performer as well. On September, uh, In September, he released his fifth album, Leap of Faith, and in support of that, he has just embarked on a solo tour. Hello and welcome, Timothy B. Schmidt. I have uh, been trying to get you in here for a while. I've, I've wanted to, to speak to you because I'm going to guess you've heard this sort of story a number of times in the last couple of years. I never listened to the Eagles a whole bunch. I grew up in New York, and I think like a lot of other people in New York, was turned off to classic rock by classic rock radio in New York, which was essentially, if you like, Stairway to Heaven or Whipping Post. <laughs> it was right. great. Otherwise, it was it was a little tough. So I, when the documentary came out and everybody was talking about it, I really went into it with like a, an open mind and fresh ears. I hadn't spent a whole lot of time with the band or the music. And as I was watching it, um, I was thinking a lot of these guys seem like tremendous musicians, but maybe not a barrel of laughs to hang out with all the time. But I really like this bassist. Hmm. And I thought, Okay, these songs. Okay, I'm, I'm, I get it now more than I did before. But wow, I really like this song. The bass player sang. Nice. Have you heard people have that reaction to that documentary? That particular yeah. uh, mm-hmm. reaction. Um, I I don't think so. You're kidding. I, you may be the first. My wife and I both had that same. Voice. Are you talking about the my persona or my playing? What are you talking about? Well, first, that I just like the attitude that came. Uh, there's one little grace note in it that I remember of where the the interviewer is asking you about the rock and roll lifestyle. And you say, I just did the dishes right before mm. you, you showed up here. So you seemed um, it's impossible to have the kind of life that you've had and the kind of career you've had and not be unaffected by it at all. But you seem relatively unaffected and you just seem like a like a good person, like a good soul. I felt like that came through. And I also enjoyed your your singing and your performing. Well, thank you. Thanks for saying all that. I, you know, do my best. That's <laughs> that's all I do. Um, I uh, I've I've always tried to keep in mind pretty much on a daily basis, uh, especially when I first wake up, uh, to um, kind of look at my life. You know, I don't dwell upon it, but I, I, I take a little time and throw a little gratitude out to the universe because um, I am a lucky guy. <laughs> that's I think that's fair to say. Are you like a spiritual guy in, in any particular sort of way? I get that impression from you. Well, I I I couldn't put a label on it, but I I I I I would hope so. I I believe that um I believe in some of the basics of, you know, doing uh being nice so you can be treated nice, you know. Uh I I've, I've always been 
sort of the guy who tries to make peace (laughs) at times. I don't always succeed. Um, But I also know I can't control everything. And there's a certain amount of things you have to let go. You just have to let go. Um, When I first joined the band, for instance, I, I, uh, I I knew it was a good fit and that I could do a good job. Uh, but it, I had to, it didn't take me too long to see what was going on b- b- between people, not, not specifically, but just, you know, they had been together for a long time mm-hmm. and, Many uh, permutations before you were in the mix. Yeah. So I, so I, so they already had a thing going and I just kind of really was a, a observant, uh, about all that and, um, to, to try and fit in as smoothly as possible. I don't want to pry into your personal life in the slightest, but and I don't want to get into cheap psychoanalysis. But do you did you grow up in a tumultuous household where you felt because you seem like you you hit the ground running realizing I should take specific steps to be a peacemaker, and that seems like that's got to come from somewhere. No, I you know I I even saying those words peacemaker, it's not something I think about. I just when I look back, you know, it's like it's like I don't really like confrontation, Mm -hmm. but I will. I'll stare it right down. Yeah, because sometimes that's what you have to do. And no, my my uh, my childhood was 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 really good. My my dad was a musician. My mom was a, a working housewife. Uh, we lived in a trailer house, but we ne- I never felt like I was for want of anything. My 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 uh, dad was was busy a lot with his work, similar to later on my work. Um, and my mom was a was right there for uh, my brothers and I, and she, you know, she did the whole thing. She was the den mother. She was the scorekeeper in Little League. She, she, uh, she, she never. Uh, she always. They always encouraged me for whatever I wanted to do. Isn't it crazy how many times people who like there's no relationship between having creative chemistry with people and necessarily having personal chemistry with those people and some people that, you know, you can push each other to levels you could never get to individually as an artist. It just doesn't translate to, to necessarily meshing personally. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. I think, but I do think everything you experience and learn and everything you hear and see, it, it all goes in there and you just, it's, it's just the way you process it. I'm not even, and by the way, I didn't mean to sound like, you know, I had a, like a, 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 a 50s, father knows best kind of existence there were there were you know there were pushes and pulls and and uh dysfunctions just like any family but uh overall they the way things were handled were in, were in a um uh, a peaceful manner and um you know i i can't complain about that <laughs> no it's 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 amazing you see this when you get out in the world how rare a peaceful well adjusted upbringing is it's like winning the the human lottery, kind of. Yeah, it is. So I want to talk to you about the album. I, I I've listened to a bunch of it, and first of all, congratulations! It's a really beautiful album. Thanks. And what is like like what's the gestation process? How old is the oldest song? How long does it typically take you to get to go from the aha moment to that song's etched in stone? Oh well, I'm not particularly fast and prolific with my songwriting, uh, but. I, First of all, as of two albums ago, I started just writing my my own stuff and not collaborating. I just I prefer it because I, first of all, I don't 
depend upon it. It's more it's more like my real creative thing. Mm-hmm. It's like I can do what I want and and I take as much time as as I need and it's usually a, a pretty a long time. The the oldest song on there was the last on the Leap of Faith album is is uh, one called uh It's All Right. It's a very simple love song that I recorded on my old cassette um um ghetto blaster <laughs> about 10 years ago and it was a song to 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 my wife Jean and um I remember she came in when I just had finished recording that just just really roughly and um and she uh, and I played it for her and then for some reason it went and got it went to the background and I had forgotten about it and then uh, when I thought I needed that last song for this album, I started going through my notes. I have a lot of notes on these old cassettes, and I I went hmm, and I picked and I looked at that again and listened to it, and I thought, yeah, that that's a good one. So that that one's really, that one's probably the oldest. Um, it, it doesn't happen very often where where uh, I, I get the initial. Mo, uh, inspiration and then just finish it. I I I really go through a bunch of changes. I mean, I wake up at night thinking about lyrics, which I like because I wake up a lot anyway, and I need something to think about and not just wander. Um, um, it I I I take my time, not not necessarily because I I uh, want to. I wish I was faster, but uh, like I said, I, my life. Uh, my lifestyle doesn't depend upon this, so I, I go ahead and uh, take the time. Yeah, you can indulge that process without yeah. the, the deadline, I guess. I wanted to ask you about the song, The Island. That's that's a really beautiful song. Thanks. I feel so fine now that I'm on the So what, what what's the story there? Well, the story there is um, I have this old 1940s Gibson baritone ukulele, and I was sitting not in the studio part, but in my office part where uh, of my studio, where uh, on the on a couch, and I started strumming these two chords over and over, and then I just started I started it was so obviously an island song mm-hmm. the, the the ukulele you know kind of that that's what what that is most of the time so i decided i started singing some words and i i started writing them down and uh that it's 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 all it's really about i started thinking about Kauai. i go to Kauai a lot my family and i uh, do and um i um i just thought i'd put together like a simple homage to to that island and uh that's that's what came out. Then I knew I didn't want to sing all the parts f- for two reasons. I, I could have quite a few years ago, but I, I, I'm unable to hit some of that stuff anymore. So, so I thought this could be like a, almost a Beach Boy. Yeah, definitely a or, Beach Boy thing in there. Beatly, but Beach Boy thing. So I started thinking 
I should get a Beach Boy. <laughs> and I, I called up Al Jardine from the Beach Boys, and he, uh, he, he, uh, he said he would do it. And then I asked a friend of mine who was close to the Beach Boys who else I should get, and he said, well, Al's sons are really good. They're like 30s, 40s. And um, anyway, I pulled it all together for the recording time, and Al got sick. And I thought, and since his sons don't live in town, uh, and I had all the arrangements made, I said, I'm going to do it anyway. And uh, it, so I did it with um, uh, his sons, at, 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 um, Matthew and Adam. And uh, they thought they were just going to come in and do a few little oohs and ahs on it. And um, but I said no, we're going to sing the whole thing, like every, every everything. And this is gonna, we're going to do some, you know, um, dissonant stuff. Yeah, there's some jazz transitions yeah. in there. Yeah, and uh, and we spent uh, two days and two evenings doing getting that right, and they were great, real workhorses, beautiful voices. And then, of course, I got speaking of jazz, I got my uh, my vibraphonist friend Gary Burton who's huge in the in the uh, jazz world to come in and play on it and do the solo that's kind of a long-winded uh, explanation <laughs> of that song it. but uh that's that's how that came about as somebody who's been um based you know and spent a lot of time in California I, I love the little factoid that you're the only eagle who's actually from <laughs> here for a band that's so strongly associated with right. the state not so much as a culture, but as a creative place and as a place that music comes out of. What are the changes that you've seen, say, starting in the, the 60s or 70s? And then, because um, I find your career interesting that you transition very seamlessly into a lot of 80s stuff, which seems like it's... No, I love 80s music. I'm a child of the 80s, right. but has a bad reputation among a lot of a it lot does. of purists. <laughs> so there's an... there's a When you say L.A. in the 70s, that is a very specific mm. scene. But then L.A. in the 80s, that's not so good all of a sudden. And what, what have you seen in the industry and the, the culture of musicians and songwriters working in this city over the decades? That's a pretty broad question. <laughs> I apologize uh, for that. Um well, I don't know. For instance, if you talk about the eighties, I like I, I I never I was not that into eighties music, most of it. But 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 uh there was definitely some good stuff that came out of there too. Um but but then I see but ha- having said that, I look and listen to I don't really listen a lot to my old stuff, but every once in a while I'll I'll I'll, I'll listen to something. I looked at the album cover of, a, of an album I did called Timothy B. And I've got I've got total '80s hair, and I'm dressed the the, the, the that way. I think way. I saw a music video for it, that. Yeah, it's it's called Boys Night Out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I went like, wow, I was deeper into that than I thought. <laughs> the whole sounds, the reverb, the drums, and yeah. and, and the Their whole style of recording. Yeah. That I was definitely doing that, even though I was sort of like. Uh, sort of inwardly dissing it, you know. I guess it all, you know, you you flow with what's going on, whether you, and you interpret it however it is you interpret it. And I I don't, I I haven't got an explanation for it. And things, you know, things change. There's always really great, in every era, there's been, uh, there's been really great music and and a lot of crap as well. Sure. In every, you know, you could, in, in any, any time period. So... When I went, because I, I know that you, what did you do exactly on the Toto song, Africa? You're not I sang. The, are you the high? You're not the high harmony on. Uh... Uh, yeah, I am. I'm singing with Bobby, the lead singer. Mm-hmm. And um, 
uh, it's been a long time, and I'm singing uh, I'm singing unison with him on that. But I sang on a, a few others on that album as well. Because now I think of that song as it's it's really hard for me to be objective about songs that came out when I was a little kid. I don't know is it a pleasure is it a guilty pleasure? Do I even care about the difference anymore? Frankly, if I enjoy listening to it. But when I was just reading on Wikipedia about the process of putting that song together and how incredibly musical just the genesis of it, you know, of like, okay, this guy's working on this instrument and that guy's working on that. And I go, okay, well, maybe there was more going on there than than I realized. Then I see you also did some session work, I'm assuming, with like the poisons of the world. <laughs> Never one of my personal favorites. There was not a whole lot musically going on there. Did you, were you doing that through gritted teeth? Yes. Okay. I What happened was that the Eagles broke up. I had a new uh, family um and the, the Eagles broke up uh, less than three years after I joined them. You know, oh, I was really? I was just going strong, and then it really just crumbled around me. I I didn't really perceive, I didn't see what was going on. It was kind of shocking to me what, that it just ended. So so I had to stay working. You know, I had a family to support, and I I hadn't been in the Eagles as long as the other guys. So I started I started um, singing. Uh, I started singing. I I didn't want to start, you know, working at a grocery store. So my I wanted to stay in my in my chosen field. So I did a lot of different things. I went on the road with uh, uh, Toto. I went on the road with Dan Fogelberg, uh, Warren Zevon, Jimmy Buffett, Ringo, and Ringo. And then I sang in between on a ton of records. And after a while, I I didn't. I was I. I had a friend once. He he was a cinematographer, and he said, "There's there's dignity in work. You know, you, mm-hmm. you don't. He 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 actually has an Oscar, but he won't turn down a commercial if he's not working. You know, on a movie. He'll you know. He said, there's dignity in work. So I I really like that. You know. So I didn't have to really like, or it didn't have to be my style of music. And I did. I was I was asked to to sing for more like yelling for poison and twisted sister and i had a i had a friend who we would call each other if we got something to sing on and we we paired up a lot and um so yeah and i sang a lot at, on some a bunch of japanese things that uh that you know i i didn't particularly care for yeah. but i was i was working i was working i was supporting my family at least and i was doing something i liked whether i liked the song or not yeah, it's fun to be in a studio, yeah. kind of. The Japanese stuff, I know it's the case nowadays, I'm assuming it it was then. The most disposable stuff, the people who play in it will still have these amazing chops. I was yeah. over there recently, and there's a boy band, and there's a guitar player, and he's playing the solo, and I'm like, I could, there's no way I could play that solo on guitar, and you're in some trashy band that probably won't even get a second album. So at least I'm guessing you were around people who respected quality singing. Well, I hope so. <laughs> it, it, there was a strange uh, scene. Uh, they would they would often the producers would often have a brown paper bag and they would have cash. And once I got paid in travelers checks. I swear, <laughs> you know, a lot for a little work. Yeah, and they were and, good. But the songs? No, no, no. The travelers checks. <laughs> the travelers checks were good. Some of the some of the songs I hope I never hear again. <laughs> but now they're probably all over the place. You yeah. Know? Well, they're far, far away. There's yeah. a lot of stuff to get buried under on in YouTube nowadays, I guess. Um, in regard to when the Eagles reunited and started touring again, I saw a quote. I wish I was able to write it down exactly. Please let me know if I've missed the spirit of your words. But something to the effect of. <laughs> 
everybody in the Eagles knows there's demand in the market for a product that only we can deliver, so we just make it work to meet that demand. Does that sound like something you've ever said? Me, no. Okay. It does not sound like something I said. Okay. So you would not agree that that's the attitude that the Eagles have toward touring? You know, the Eagles has become it's become a, a big a big well oiled machine. Mm-hmm. When we got back together again in nineteen ninety four, we really thought we were we were only getting together and rehearsing for what we thought might be a few months, four to six months, you know, have a big deal and then, you know, we'll, we'll go our own ways. But it it became it was so big and so well received that we kept going. And uh, even after Glenn's death, after two, two years later, we're starting to uh, see that again uh, uh, with with these uh, guests we have on stage. It It's the music. The music is, it's so good. It, it was done so well. That that's what keeps it alive, and it still performed so well too. And it still it still works. And we did some experiments with Vince Gill and Deacon Fry, and uh, they they're it's working. So um, why it's it's sort of a win win situation. We can keep going, and and there's a huge audience still out there that wants to hear it. Uh, why not? What are we going to do? Like pretend it doesn't ha- doesn't exist right this is this is a a a big legacy and it's still it's still working um that's all i know you know we we still get to what and what keeps it new by the way what keeps it from being boring because we've played some of these songs for years decades um is is the audience's reaction it's always uh pretty astounding people uh, really seem to uh, still love it, so it get, it always each night kind of recharges. It's a crazy, it's crazy the world that we live in nowadays. I figured it out recently. Ozzy Osbourne has been um, retiring longer than he initially had his career. <laughs> if you go back, as he had his first uh, retirement tour in like ninety four, it, it's that's that's where we live. There is no reason to stop. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I can't think of any reason. I guess uh, the other guys can't either. You know. How? What percentage of time would you say, like, you're in a working environment with the Eagles in 2017, where you say you guys are are really like having fun? Um, we we do okay. You know, we um we we get together back when we were had broken up for so long. I would still see the Rolling Stones having a new tour and a new album, and I and I would always think they're doing it. They, Where's they, our steel they, wheels? They've they've got. They've got. Uh, they're infamous for having infighting and all that. What, what's the deal? They get together and work, and we, that's what we finally started doing. We finally got together, and we still get together and go to work. And we rehearse a lot. We we don't we don't uh, we try not to shortchange the audience or ourselves. Uh, if there's a song that had a little glitch in it the night before, we'll we'll go over it in a sound check. We'll go over the glitchy spot, make sure it's all good. We we get together and and go to work, and it and uh, it's it it's uh, it it's not it's work, but it's there there is fun involved. There is you know it's it's really great to be able to still go up there in front of all these people and and still be validated. 
Right. And it does, like you said, it does make the song new every single time. It's, I always remember the, the famous, I don't know if you're a sports fan, Joe DiMaggio always said that um, the reason why he tried so hard every day is because every day he knew there was one person at Yankee Stadium that had never seen him play before. Yeah, that's, that's right. There's that's always good. somebody who's never heard you perform Hotel California before. Right. Probably yeah. a couple thousand. Yeah. You know? So the, um, the, Kennedy Center Honors. I wanted to ask you about that. How close were you actually to the president when you're performing at that? Well, we didn't perform. You didn't? I thought I saw a video. No, no, no. Okay, we, so he honored the, you. When you're honored yeah. at those things, you don't perform. Other people perform your oh, songs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But right. I was quite close to him mm-hmm. several times. The, that The thing you see on TV is only one of four events. Oh, okay. And it's the last one, and it's it's not, it, the TV show is two hours. That show lasts four hours. By the end of the, all these events, y- you're really tired, but- but at two, I think at least two and maybe three of the events, he was there within close proximity, chatting distance. He got some good jokes in. He's a great guy. Yeah, I'm glad. I imagine you're happy you got in while he was still president. I, Michelle, I was standing on the end when, when in front of the Christmas tree for, uh, for our initial photographs with the president and the first lady, and they were on their way out. You know, they, they were just waiting for the, for the, the next, uh, guy to come in and 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 Michelle came in first and so I was the first one to say hello to her first and I just grabbed her I grabbed her hand and she came over and gave me a big hug and I went this is so great and and I said I'm so glad you guys are here <laughs> still here yeah uh went for us getting this award I'm so happy about that yeah I imagine she hears quite a bit of that yeah um so you will be on tour a solo tour pretty much straight until Christmas, and then um, the Eagles will head out in March. What will you be doing in the interim between those two tours? Well, I've got a f- couple of like little um, tripettes with my wife, just little outings. But but mostly when I'm home, I'm going to try and continue writing. I've, I'm I'm already on to the to the next album, um, and. Uh, because my writing is so slow, I, I try and get it in whenever I can or whatever I'm inspired to do so. And sometimes if I'm not inspired to do so, I'll go out and see if I can get inspired, and which often works. Do you it, write on guitar? Yeah, And And mostly. do you just sit there? I, I love um, Noel Gallagher from Oasis, whatever you might think of his music. I happen to like it. Just said he has to go fishing every day because he knows God drops down a certain number of songs per day and you can catch him with your guitar and he said and Bono's already caught enough of them so I, I've got to catch <laughs> well, them. Well I, I believe that too I've said before I mean I, 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 all these things are floating around in the ethers and you just have to be in, you, you have to be ready to uh, to get it be in tune with something right. and then and then you won't always remember it even if you think you, you're going to so you have to write it down record it mm-hmm. whatever now with the you know with we have everybody has a recording device with their phone it's it's really great i i wrote it i i wrote a i wrote what became a song in new york walking down the street and this idea came to me and i was going i can't forget that can't forget this this is this might be pretty good <laughs> i i ducked into a to a doorway and just sang it into my into my phone right and uh cuz i might have forgotten it otherwise and um 
it's probably still on my phone. It, it became one of the songs on this last album. I remember Jeff Beck. I read an interview with him from the '70s saying that he uh, he wouldn't record an idea because if it was any good, he wouldn't forget it. And I was like, "You're insane." Man. No, I've forgotten many <laughs> ideas. I if right. I wake up in the middle of the night, no matter how tired I am, I I got once in a while I forget, and I still do it. This is great. No problem. Yeah, totally gone blank mm-hmm. in the morning. And there's always that little hint, of, especially if you do it on the guitar, where you're like, I know somewhere around here, but... Ugh. You a player? Uh, yeah. Sounds yeah, like no. it. Yeah, I, I I love writing songs. I mean, yeah. I'm just an avid hobbyist, yeah, but yeah. Um, I just, you, I'm the Noel Gallagher guy. You just pick it up every day, and you run your hands over the same yeah. frets you've run over a million times, Sometimes you go, oh. Oh, yeah. that's a little different. That's fun. I can yeah, do something Yeah, or a different guitar might inspire you to, yeah. to for it might take you a different direction. Yeah, yeah my, my wife was nice enough to rent us a house to stay in for my uh, birthday over the summer, and the guy had some guitars in it. Oh, nice. I came out of there with a new song. Great. Because it was different guitar, you know? Yeah. So uh, two more questions, and I'll let you go. Um, when will the Eagles know it is time to stop? Oh, that's uh, you know a magic question, I guess. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Uh I don't know when that will be. Uh, obviously, everything has has to come to a close. But uh, so far, we're going strong, and I, I'm I'm going to just uh, stick with that and mm-hmm. see what happens. And same question for for yourself. You... Oh well, see, I I had pretty good inspiration from my dad, who was a a, a musician all his life. And he played, never got out of clubs, but that was his thing, and he taught during the day. And um, when my dad got uh, a bit older, I, may, maybe younger than I am now, uh, he, for some reason, stopped playing these club gigs and stopped playing, stopped playing his, his main instrument was violin, sort of swing violin. And uh, he stopped playing. And his, from that point on, his health plummeted. Mm. I mean, he lasted quite a long, long time, but but it wasn't a great quality of life after a while. And uh, I just thought, you know, uh, I'm, I, I really see this. I'm going to learn from this. I mean, someday all some, you know, at some point all of our healths plummet. But you know, I think um, I think you got to stay mobile and you got to stay interested in something. And I'm interested in music, and I think I'm getting better at it, which is great. I'm not just, I'm not in my 20s. I didn't have a clue when I was in my 20s. I mean, I was writing songs, but now I know I didn't have a clue. But I had to go through that. So now I, now I, can, I can do this, and it, it's uh, very pleasurable to me, and it's really great when you, when you play something of your own and somebody in the audience knows what it is. It's like it's the greatest. Yeah. Okay. Well, everybody should check out your new album and your um, the tour that you're going to go out on in support of it. Leap of Faith is on sale now. Tickets to that tour at timothybschmidt.com. Thank you. Thank you. You are listening to The Tully Show. More to come. John Bryan is an accomplished musician and producer, and he has also composed the score for the highly acclaimed new motion picture, Lady Bird. John Bryan on the show. Coming up next here on Faction Talk. We are back on The Tully Show. Our second guest this week following uh, Timothy B. Schmidt of the Eagles is... A musician, a composer, a producer. Well, let me just start there. When people, like if you meet a stranger. not as of yet member of the Eagles. 
I know it changes constantly. Give so. it time. Yeah. Jackson Brown had his turn. Vince yeah. Gill's having his now, and then John Bryan, you will get your turn surely sooner or later. If you meet somebody at a, I don't know if people actually have cocktail parties, but in a hypothetical cocktail party type situation, yeah, and they have it, no idea who you are. The, actually, I was going to say if it were the '40s, but cocktails had their big resurgence in recent history, so maybe cocktail parties are next, and like. You know, be at my place at eight, and what sort of dress will be required will be on an invitation. It'll be in an email now. Right, and some guy with the funny mustache who was cutting hair a couple years ago will be yeah. making cocktails. Came out from Brooklyn and is doing, you know, yeah. catering for private cocktail parties in L.A. If you give this guy 15 minutes, he will make uh, a rum and coke like you've never <laughs> <laughs> So if, you, if somebody has no prior knowledge of you whatsoever and they go, what do you do for a living? What's your answer? Musician. Okay, but then I go, okay, well, what, what would I know you from? Uh, and if you asked that and we are just out in the world, I'd say nothing. Which, insanely enough, might kind of be true. Yeah. No, it's it's an honest answer, but uh, I talk with friends about this, like getting in cabs and lifts. If you say you're a musician, the first question inevitably is like, have you done anything I know? Um, and you know, I'll say, I don't know. I don't know what people know and what they don't, which is true. Um, the problem is that question is inevitably followed by, have you worked with anyone famous? And then, which then it's like, what? Okay. You want me to sit reading a resume in the back seat? That's not going to be much of a fun When are they just going to get that? I don't want to talk function. And then it's, and then it's going to be, uh, once you mentioned somebody famous, it's like, well, tell me about them. It's like. No, uh, and not not to be crotchety. Just like, uh, hey, tell me tell me secrets about your friends. Like that right, would be completely right. unnatural and considered quite gauche in normal human interaction. Yeah. So normally, I, you know, I'll let people know I'm a musician and. If they press me, I'll usually just go, you know, work in a recording studio. And, right. you know, fib, tell the truth. Fib then, a little bit. Misleading. Yeah. It's, if, you know, the questions, I think if people were a little more honest about their uh, intent or their interest, you know, if somebody said to me, you're a musician, oh, that's Great. I don't really like music. I like sports. I'm like, oh, yeah, man, I get it. I'm not sports guy. Mm-hmm. And we could talk about life, and that would be wonderful. Yeah. Um, occasionally, I'll get somebody who just goes, oh, and this I love. Like, oh, my uh, kid plays piano. Do you have any advice? Oh, that's a that's and, a and then I can question. be like and then I can go like okay great uh, for you or mm-hmm. for your kid and he's like well both and I'm like well what are they playing what are they like just in all um, the white keys and you're in, you're in C major yeah exactly uh, and those are lovely conversations it's the problem is our current environment has conditioned people uh, to think about fame. Or success. And See, right. See, that's and I, the drag. And I feel like you have, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right, the exact perfect amount and type of 
fame. I've always been envious of people like yourself where I, you walk down the street. I don't think you get recognized very often. No, it's, but it's in, good. In a certain kind of room, a certain kind of person knows exactly who you are. And that's the only person whose attention and respect you actually really uh, get value from. It generally is pretty good for me. I, I saw very early on uh, close up what it's like for people who are very recognizable. And there are reasons I never went out of my way to be recognizable. Um, you know, I don't mind going out on the promotional trail for this movie because well, I like the movie and yeah. I like Greta. Uh, but quite honestly, I didn't want to make a point of throwing my face out there because I like being able to have dinner and enjoy myself. Uh, like, I really do. I like food, and if I'm with somebody I like, I want us to be spending our time together. And the version I get is the one person who comes over is probably a musician, and like, hey, I really like the such-and-such such record. Yeah. I'm like... Yeah, I'm about uh, to do that. Yeah, well, then that's cool. And you go like, well, that's great. You make stuff hoping people will like it. Did You, you don't make it in a vacuum, yeah. but, but, you know, the... Um, the thing that people go through being recognizable is so intrusive. I don't know why anyone would want it. And I still sort of have a chuckle at people who chase fame because if you look at all the people who had done it previous to them, every single one of them says the same thing. I climbed the mountaintop and I got up there and there's nothing there. And and why won't people leave me alone? It's like, well, because you've asked to have your picture taken. You've put your picture out there. You've incited that part of human nature that enjoys the tabloid experience. And, of course, there's no there there. I, I've right. known my entire life what I enjoyed was actually playing music and doing the work well, you don't have being the whole, in recording studios you don't have the whole inside of you that that you think can be filled with external validation that's the difference between you and the fame seeking people uh yeah i guess i guess not so did you produce the Fiona Apple version of across the universe yes How would you react if I tell you that I strongly believe that is superior to the Beatles' original version? Uh, I think it would be nice to have them here to defend themselves. <laughs> uh, and I think it's sweet that you think that. And I can tell you what I told her when she first said, hey, somebody needs me to do a song for a movie, and I wonder if you'd do it with me. And I said, yes. We're in the kitchen at Largo, and I, I, it's like, of course, I'll happily do that. It's like, it's cover. I'm like, well, is it a song you like? And she's like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a Beatles song. And she didn't even tell me which one. And I went, do we have to? 
and uh, you know, I'm a lifelong Beatles fan, but it, I was just like, oh, it's just a bad idea. Why don't you write something? She's like, no, it's for a movie, and it has to be this. I'm like, I I was really hemming and hawing because doing recorded covers of things that are already lovely, I feel like you have to step up to the plate and bring something of yourself and you know it's it's such an intense thing and I'll tell you the moment I was sold on it I made a little basic track for her to play piano and sing to that was a hodgepodge of uh, weirdo instruments in my basement and and she put the piano down and she liked what was happening and she Sang a few vocals. I I know exactly how many. She sang four takes, and I rented five mics to try on her voice to see which one I liked best. After she sang the fourth time, she said, Oh, God, I just remembered. I'm like, what? I have a cold. Can we, can we do this, like, in a week, and I'll be fine? I'm like, yeah. It's like... Do you mind? I rented five mics to see which sounds best on your voice. Would you try this last one? She's like, oh, yeah, okay. Mm. Let your guard down. and That was the vocal. And as she sang it, I most recording consoles have this little um, sort of cushioned soft edge where people put their elbows. And uh, my forehead dropped onto that, and I bawled my eyes out. And that was the moment I'm like, yeah, it's okay to do this. Um, I can make no claim about what version of anything is worthwhile. Uh, I, I can't, especially with any involvement in it. And the, these are all extremely subjective things. But I know she absolutely had that quality I associate uh, with Billie Holiday. And I'm not talking about the emotion I'm talking about, it sounded like she was singing about her own life at that moment. Speaking of fame and the intrusion of it and her steadfastness to being herself, I heard that coming out like a laser. And as of that point, I felt like, yeah, we're supposed to be doing this. So the fact that you like it enough to think of it as favorably as you do, I think is lovely. Like, well, it I, just feels like you extrapolated so because the Beatles song. Now, listen, if it had been a day in the life, I'd be like, don't, <laughs> don't stay awake. Kid. Don't, don't do it, dude. Because it was such a, a, a fully realized studio version. Right. And odds are you don't have a better angle on it than they did. But across the universe is basically just a vocal and a guitar. So that is and of course, better means nothing here. Of, yeah. of course, it doesn't. And somebody who thinks I'm an idiot, they're right. But I'm mm-hmm. I'm right for me as no, well. No, I'm an idiot, so it's fine. I hate to compare things to drugs. Everything is this on crack, this on acid. It's right. such a cheap comparison. But if you smoke some pot and you've never done it before, the way a song opens up and there's just just it's not there's not new parts. You don't hear a harmony vocal that wasn't there before. But it just right. the, the the flower opens. I just felt like you opened the flower of the of the Beatles song and, and and wrenched every little bit of music that was sort of suggested by the original. Well, that's incredibly sweet to say. I, that That is the only honest response I can have to that, except for that's always the 
aim. The aim with music is, you know, music is this sensual thing. So food, sex, drugs, conversation, anything you can name that is a sensual experience, music has the potential to do that. It also has intellectual content. Anything that a book does or a piece of philosophy can do entering your brain. So it's one of the reasons I love songs so much. People take for granted that songs are a multimedia experience to start with. Um, And then the idea of recording and arranging orchestration, whatever the hell it is, that happens. I mean, I consider multi-track recording a form of orchestration. For in the modern world, it is the same thing. Um, when all of those things merge, it is three-dimensional. You know, it's it it's multi-dimensional. Actual, because actually, because you have time. How the thing, as you say, unfolds over time is part of the experience and so you always hope for that that the poetic line is unbroken somehow and meanwhile more things start happening to you mm-hmm. so i mean that is the that is the aim uh, where do you think i mean nobody knows what they're influenced by or whatever but uh, what, your your palette is you have such a recognizable palette and there's only a couple of musicians that I, I use that word around and and I like all of them. I don't know, this is random. Are you familiar with the English band Suede? Mm-hmm. Their guitar player, Bernard yeah. Butler, on those first couple albums. I tell people he's after Johnny Marr, my favorite guitar player I, of all time. I loved his playing. I suggested to Amy Mann that we she bring them in and he's on the second record okay. that I produced with her because I liked his playing. And he doesn't do anything more than pentatonic riffs. When I say he's a great guitar player, it's not that he's doing this technical stuff. His palette is it's great it's beautiful yeah all of these shades of brown and, mm-hmm. and orange and I, I know you know what i'm talking about. yeah and i i saw them play live when that first record came out uh and really really liked him i liked some of the parts on the record but you know i just think you know he has it whatever the it thing is there's a nice combination of beauty and aggression Mm -hmm. and uh he can be unrestrained when necessary and he also can understand a simple part having a purpose um is he similar to you too in the regard how many instruments would you say you can just pick up and sort of play uh, i don't really know the answer but they're all they're all derivations of guitar keyboards and drums i mean if you think about vibraphone it's piano plus drums Mm -hmm. it just mechanically you're operating like a drummer but you know you're aiming for the notes like it's a piano right and a lot of string instruments are very similar in how they operate so right you know I think it looks more impressive than it is. I understand what you mean. Because, again, with Suede, I would, you know, you read the credits and he would be credited to like 17 instruments. You're like, I've only like heard of 12 yeah, of I, those. But I, I understand. He obviously I, didn't I, I actually hate those cre- people have done it with me because yeah. they thought it looked cool. And I used to get in arguments with people who were like asking me, what was the name of that thing you played in the earth thing? I'm like, why? Why does it matter? I'm like, people are going to listen and like your song or not. No, 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 I think it's cool. And I'm like, I don't. 
I'd rather you don't. Just say additional instruments or something. Uh, but there are some records where, in the 90s, I think, when people were only used to synthesizers, guitars, drums, bass, and drum machines, that's all there was. Um, people thought it was so cool. It's like, okay, well, there's a glockenspiel, and, and what was that weird thing called? That's right. a chamberlain. Okay, Peter, Peter and Buck you also, but you played a guitar. Yeah, and you played, but you also played acoustic guitar as well as electric. I'm like, why can't you just say guitar? Um, yeah, but you had that weird shape when I'm like, nobody can tell that when they're listening to the song. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Um so it's it's a thing people do on records sometimes. I mean, I think it's unnecessary. We the listener either have an experience that as you say unfolds like a flower. Uh, you know, it flowers or it doesn't. And if it's laying there motionless to the listener, does it really matter if there's a paragraph worth of instrument credits? Mm-hmm. I certainly don't think so. So let's talk about the score for this this movie, Lady Bird. This, I think I, I read it has 100% rating on uh, Rotten Tomatoes and now has more. It's has the most reviews of any movie that has ever maintained a 100% rating. It passed Toy Story 2. So I gather it's very good. It is. I think Greta's very talented. And I think I think there's a lot of heart in this damn thing. And how do you... It's got to be... Uniquely challenging and daunting when somebody has a specific, well-realized vision that you are called in to not only support but hopefully augment. You're supposed mm-hmm. to. It's like if somebody handed you uh, whatever your favorite novel is, and they said, "Now add the music to it." Well, it's got to be perfect for it. But ideally, you're also taking it to a slightly even bigger or different place while be remaining totally true to the the material on the. I'll be page. honest with you. That's what you're describing is easier for me and nicer. Um, If somebody comes in and something has a perspective and it has a genuine feeling in it, then I know what to do. When somebody comes in and they're in the middle of changing their movie every three weeks, uh, you know, maybe they talk a good game, but they're not quite sure what they want. You make something that's like they describe to you, and they go, yeah, but maybe it's, I'm not sure. Oh, God. That That is interminable hell, and and it can go on for months, and your life stops, and you still have to treat the thing with a seri- uh, sense of importance. Right. Well, you uh, never know when, when this version yes. is going to be the last version. Yes. But if somebody comes in, they've made something, it's nice. They have their loves and hates in the world. And when you're just sitting talking together, oh, my God, I hate such and such. I'm like, oh, yeah, I I get that one. Um, and you find your common language being in a room with each other. And if the piece at hand's feeling is self-evident, then I know what to do. And I know when I'm doing it wrong. If something's really emotional and I put a piece of music on it and it becomes less emotional, I know I messed up. Mm. If something is emotional and I realize I've sort of heightened it and suddenly I'm more invested in the movie than I was before I put the piece there, then I know I did something right. 
Well, uh, I could talk to you all day, but I have to let you go. You've got uh, places to go and a Lyft driver, presumably <laughs> Things waiting. to do. you got a Lyft driver interesting who wants to talk and to uninteresting you about, people. Yeah, I've got a Lyft driver going. Wants to know about your do career. you know anybody I've heard of? <laughs> so uh, everybody should go see the movie. It is impossibly well-reviewed, and I'm sure the score is tremendous, um, as is everything that you do. John Bryan, very lovely to meet you. Nice to meet you, too, man.